Welcome to New Creation Family Church. I hope you enjoy this week's sermon. So we've been looking at a series called Defining Moments. And today's going to be a principle that I trust that you catch, that it will be a principle that um, in the defining moments that lie ahead in your life that you will be able to apply this principle to your life. We've just done an amazing picture of seeing how God adds and connects us to people. And when we get connected, who knows that we get to feel, we get to feel things. Let me find another member I can use. We get to live life together and we get to experience their highs and their lows. And today is, there's a, there's a story we're going to share with you and I want to, in a moment, honor the couple for allowing us to share this story. I know there are many stories that happen in small pockets in your life group and it's not often that the church gets to hear some of these stories. I know we started off about two months ago with Jared's story. Who was here with Jared and Dan was preaching about mountains Jared went in yesterday for his big operation to remove his bladder and to get rid of the cancer in his body. And we're going to pray for him as a church, believing that his recovery, it's going to take a good two-month period. He's out in Pretoria and he's going to be there for two weeks, but then he's going to be out of action for about two months. And there's a member of our body that's gone through quite a traumatic thing. And we're going to pray for him and encourage him and see how we can support their family. Now, if... um, any of you have been to my house before, you would have met our dog, Zoe. This is my wife's other child. She wants lots of children. I have to let her live out her passion with dogs. But, <laughs> but you, you, if you came to visit me, you, you wouldn't find her in this state. You would probably find her barking at you. And for many guests that come, they find it quite difficult because this dog looks vicious and scary. But we know she's just playful. She's just a puppy that just wants to have fun with you. And I read of two boys walking down a, a road and there was a big dog in the, in the walkway. And both boys obviously stopped and got scared because there's a dog out. And when there's a dog out, you never quite know what's going to happen. Um, the, first, the first boy said, don't worry, the tail's wagging, we're fine. This dog is fine. Look at the tail. It's wagging. The second boy was like, look at those eyes and look at those teeth. This dog wants to eat us. We are in trouble. (laughs) Two people in the same situation with a very different perspective of a situation. One focused on the joy or what what potentially this could be a dog that was happy and the other person looked at the teeth and the eyes. And we can go through life And there are moments where it's difficult for us to find joy in those situations. So we have used this verse, James 1 verse 2 to 4, that says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For we know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. There are times where we look at our circumstances and our trials and we say, God, there is no life after this. This is the teeth in the eye situation. I don't know how we're going to get out of this. And others can look at it and say, God, you have to be able to do something out of the situation, bring good out of the situation. I need to look at the tail and say, God, you are in this. 
You may not be causing it, but you're in the midst of it. Your presence is there with me, and you're doing a deep work within us. And today I want to highlight a principle in David's life. David, we could spend a whole series talking about defining moments in David's life. But from a young age, he was anointed king. When you're anointed king, you often think that um, it's going to happen quickly. But it took over 10 years before he actually became king of Israel. We know the story of Goliath, the shepherd boy that walks out onto the battlefield to give food to his brothers and face with Goliath. And that is an amazing story of how he defeats Goliath. Then he serves a king who becomes very jealous of him. The ladies start singing about David. They sing, um, Saul has slain his thousands, but uh, David his ten thousands. And the king of Israel becomes very jealous and actually um, spends his life trying to kill David. So David is on the run from Saul and he ends up in the cave of Adullam and he, he gets a whole group of men who are the down and outs. They are in a difficult situation themselves. But he takes this group of men and he turns them later into the, the mighty men of David. There are some men in this group, his, his group of men, that defeat giants. You want to hang around with someone that... Um, or if you want to defeat giants, hang around with people who have defeated giants. And, and he establishes this mighty army. And then there's a moment in Ziklag, which is the, the moment that I want us to focus on in a, in a minute. But we know that he experienced many victories. There are many highs and there were many lows. We know he messed up. He, had, he made a, a big mistake with a lady and it, it ended up... Um, being murder, murdering um, Bathsheba's husband. But this was a man after God's own heart. He wrote many of the Psalms. Um, I think he wrote 77 out of the 150. Um, we, the, the famous one, Psalm 51, the, the Psalm of Repentance. And we know what came of his life with his son Solomon and, and all that God did through Solomon. But the moment I want to highlight and focus on today is Ziklag. David enters or arrives in Ziklag. I have taken this picture to describe this word Ziklag. When you look at this picture, what do you see? You see sadness, isolation, nakedness, desperation, David arrives in Ziklag, and many of us have faced moments in Ziklag. As I said, Saul was trying to kill him, and he had to flee Israel. He then goes over into the enemy's uh, side, and he, and he lives and dwells with the Philistines. He fights with the Philistines, and then the king of the Philistines says, Actually, I don't want you fighting with us because we know who you are. We know what God is going to do in your life. We worry that you're going to turn against us, and then Israel will pronounce you king. So even his enemies reject him and his men. You know you're in trouble when um, the enemy wants nothing to do with you. Um, but he's rejected by his own nation. He was a hero in his nations. He, he's rejected by them, and... They are on their way back to Ziglag, where they have stayed for a year. And in 1 Samuel 30, verse 1 to 6, it says this, Three days later, when David and his men arrived home at their town of Ziklag, they found that the Amalekites had made a raid into their village. 
and they had burned their houses down. They had taken their wives, potentially raped their wives, taken their children, and they had run off with all their possessions, and they burned their houses down. This is a moment that the men came back tired after fighting battles. All they were excited about was going home. You know, anyone been on a long trip, and you, you're, the plane lands, and you get out the airport, and all you want to do is go home. All you want is that moment where you pull into your house and you unlock the door and you walk in to a place where it is familiar, where there is love, there is care, your, your family members. All they wanted to do was go home. And they get to their home and it has been burned to the ground. And there, are, there is a situation that the, the Bible describes he, he, is, he experiences utter despair. When David and his men saw the ruins and realized what had happened to their families, they wept until they could weep no more. Anyone weep till you haven't had any tears left to cry? They were broken. David's two wives were taken, and now it says David was in great danger because all of his men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters, and they began to talk of stoning him. Now that his own men, remember... He has poured his life into these men. He has trained them. They were down and out, and he's invested in them, trained them, cared for them, looked after their families, led them. And even this group, his, his band of brothers, has turned on him. Someone needs to be blamed for this. We always want to blame someone. And they, they instead of looking at the enemy who targeted their weakness... You know, there are times where an enemy will target your strength, but this enemy went for their weakness and attacked their family and their wives and their children. Um, another translation says, And David was greatly distressed. He was discouraged, and he experienced despair. Ziklag is a moment of this. Many of us in this room have experienced moments like this. And this whole series isn't just talking about what has been, but trying to prepare us for what might come. What defining moments may, may lie ahead in 2020 or in the years that um, are ahead of us. When I, when I tried to study this word distressed or looked at the word discouraged, from what I understand, discouragement is not a sin. To feel discouraged or be discouraged is not a sin, but who knows it can lead to sin. How low can a Christian go? When you've hit rock bottom and you are in a place of despair, what do you do? And there is something quite amazing about this story, David's story. Uh, if you were here last week and we listened to Beryl talking about her experience in marriage, she spoke about when, it's, when you're in the trial, that's when you face temptation. It is in that place when you are absolutely helpless that you cry out to God and say, I've got nothing more, I've got nothing else I can do, you've got to come through for us. And this is the time where we say questions like, God, where are you? Where were you? How could you allow this to happen? If you're a God of love, why would you allow me to experience this or go through this? What did my children do? What did my wife do to deserve this? And now my own men, my own brothers that I, that I would lay my life down for are, are talking about killing me. 
Normally when we are discouraged, we turn to a friend, right? Who is that friend if you're feeling down that you say, can we have a coffee, can we get together? Or we turn to your spouse or you turn to someone to find encouragement. David in this moment does not have his wife to turn to, does not have his pastor to turn to, does not have his friends. His own friends are out to get him. And this is what the scripture says he does. But David, I love the buts, but David found strength in the Lord his God. Another translation will use the word David encouraged himself in the Lord. I want to ask you a question, church. Do you know how to strengthen yourself in the Lord? Do you know how to encourage yourself in Him? Because when that person that you rely on to encourage you is not there or not answering the phone, who do you then turn to? Or they don't give you the encouragement you actually need because your situation is far worse than what they've ever walked through. Do you know how to strengthen yourself in the Lord? Have you done this? Have you been through that zigzag moment where you've had to say, God, I've got to draw strength from you, courage from you, because everywhere else it's just not enough. And today we're going to share a story of a, a precious couple who went through a difficult experience in their life. And I, I've learned from Johan and Mariette. Johan and Mariette are here sitting in the back. And I want to honor you because you taught me things this year. You taught me things that I haven't been through, and I learned lessons on how you dealt with it, how you handled it. And in their testimony, it's, it's a long testimony, but we had to edit it down, so not everything was said. But Mariette said this. She said, you'll find out what happened, but she said, personally, I would struggle to pray. Most prayers would start with a word or two, and then I would end up in tears. I personally found listening to gospel music was useful to put words to things I was feeling, but I couldn't articulate. I created a playlist, and I just added songs randomly. But as time went on, a theme emerged, and all the songs had a common theme of things aren't great, but God is great despite all of it. Just proclaiming his goodness and greatness despite circumstances. It also became apparent that the principles and habits that we had practiced from early in life carried us through this time. I think David had practices and habits in his life that carried him through this moment. David, the shepherd boy that spent time, just read the Psalms and you'll see his relationship with God. He knew how to complain. He knew how to say, God, where are you? But then he knew how to draw strength and courage and praise him despite the circumstance and situation. And then Mariette in this piece went on to honor Johan. And you, many of you may not know who Johan is, but Johan is someone that would lead worship. And for this year, he's continued leading, leading worship despite what happened in his family. And that's, a, that's something to honor. And his wife honors him by saying, oh, I can say what she said. And it was so amazing at Johan's commitment to continue to praise and worship during this time. Because he was pouring his faithfulness and gifting through all the years before, it was just second nature to continue and not pause and give God praise in front of the church when we were going through such difficulty. And people came to us and told us that they were encouraged by this and they, they went to worship God in turn. David knew how to 
in his best ability, still go and say, God, you are good, and you are worthy of my, my praise despite what we are going through. So you're going to feel. As I told you, when God connects you with people, you will feel. And this is a story and a testimony that will touch your heart. So our story is a story of, is not just a story of a miracle. It's a story of a thousand miracles. To start off with, we were very excited to, to hear that we, we were pregnant. And soon after that, um, about the round of the, around about the 12-week mark, um, we, we heard that something was wrong. And that turned our joy into a lot of other feelings. Um, t- when we went to the physician, uh, to the doctor, she said that, your baby will not survive. Um, yeah. I think I remembered, um, you know, I understood what the doctor was saying. I could clearly see everything that was wrong with our baby, but all I could think was, our baby is alive and, and it's perfect. And um, medically, we were only ever offered one option, and that was to terminate the pregnancy. And We started praying and researching and um, decided not to terminate the pregnancy for a couple of reasons. Firstly, we were praying and believing for a miracle of healing. And the only way that could happen is if we continued with the pregnancy. Secondly, we didn't want to be responsible to choose our baby's date of death. Um, And lastly, if our time with our baby was going to be short, we didn't want to cut it down any further. We wanted to get to know our baby for however long um, time we had. And um, it was around that time that my sister, while she was praying for us, saw um, a picture of me holding our baby and standing in the woods. And at the end of the woods, it was there was a light and it was Jesus. And um, <laughs> it was... <laughs> He was waiting for us and um, with his arms out, outstretched and she said he was so close I could see him. I just had to keep running and make it to him and then hand over our baby and everything would be okay. That picture was so encouraging to me because just reaffirmed that God was with us every step of the way. But he was also waiting for us at the end of this, whenever and however that would be. At around 20 weeks, I had a dream. And I felt God was saying, okay, cool. Um, so Lydia is going to be born 32 weeks, which is premature. Um, and in that time, we were praying for, for, us, for us to have a full-term baby, uh, um, pregnancy because that would give Lydia the highest propensity or highest probability of survival um, and longevity on her side. Um, So to get a dream like that was something that you also didn't, uh, well, it was something strange to have. The morning of the the 32nd week, um, so that was a Friday morning, and I remember getting up 
and just going about my business and Mariette looking up at me and saying um, today is 32 weeks I went to work and Mariette also went to work and then at round about the, I think it was 10.40 in the, afternoon, the morning she gave me a phone call and my heart sank when I received it but before I answered and I remember she telling me that a water broke and then my heart broke um, but it was for me that was good in two, two ways 32 weeks came and it was precisely what God had told me um, and that was reassuring in a very real sense because I knew I heard right and secondly I knew that he was in it so on the 25th of May we made it to the end of the woods and I can truly say that despite knowing what the likely outcome would be we were never fearful or anxious and just in this day alone there were so many things to be thankful for I had a great labor um, without any medication or any complications and and mostly that Our Lydia was born alive. Um, I think that was the only point in the day when I was truly scared. Um, I didn't really know what to pray for because I obviously wanted to, to meet her alive, but I never wanted her to have any pain. So I asked God to, for her just to be alive if, if she wouldn't be in any pain. And she was born, I was too scared to look. All I could get out was, is she alive? And someone said, turn around, look at your beautiful daughter. And I did. And just as in the specialist office 16 weeks earlier, I saw that our baby was alive and she was perfect. Um, yeah, and we're just so grateful for the two hours we had with her. We could see the color of her eyes, we could hear her voice, we could cuddle her a lot, <laughs> feed her. Her sister got to meet her and even though the time was short, she um, she could be a big sister to her. People who entered the room at this point said that it felt like they walked into heaven and that we didn't just get two hours with our um, girl but we also had two hours in heaven and um, even when the time was running out and we knew the end was coming we were still peaceful and it was so fitting that at, when the time came that her earthly father could be the one to hand her over to her heavenly father we couldn't have choreographed it any better she spent her whole life literally surrounded by people who loved her and she died peacefully in her parents' arms. And if she had to go, this was a beautiful way to go. Every day after Lydia went to heaven has been incredibly tough. And the sadness is very deep and very real. And um, we're just a bit so thankful for God. Um, literally carrying us through every day obviously the beginning months were really hard now most days are a bit more manageable um, we still struggle struggle to pray but um, we continue to just proclaim that that God is good 
Lord, you entrusted us with an immense gift, and we are truly thankful for this precious time. We thank you for keeping Liddy safe and ask that if possible, please teach her about us that when we meet again, we laugh in your presence about everything together. You taught me the courage of stars before you left. How light carries on endlessly, even after death. We just want to say thank you to everybody that came with us sent encouraging songs came and delivered food or everything that you guys have given us we really felt loved and felt so part of community um, during this time in a, in a difficult time um, and we're so thankful to God to place us in this in this in this in this community in this congregation we are Joanna Mariette Strelum and this is our testimony about our little girl, Lydia. And we thank Anna Mariette that God added you to this body and that we could walk this journey with you. And we honor you for your courage and your strength. And as I said, I have learned so much from you and continue to give God the glory for how he brought you through the situation. Psalm 91 says, those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare of the Lord, he alone is my refuge, my, safe, my place of safety. He is my God. And I trust him, for he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers and he will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and your protection. And just in reading their story, I learned some things on, on what to do and how to encourage yourself, strengthen yourself in the Lord. Psalm 38 verse 3 says, as soon as I pray, you answer me. You encourage me by giving me strength. How do you draw strength when you face the difficulties of life? Who do you turn to? Do you turn to the bottle? Do you turn to porn? Do you turn to drugs? Do you turn to a destructive behavior? Or do you turn to Jesus, the God who is the source of hope and strength? And how do you do that? How do you draw strength in times like that? How do you find encouragement? I want to share four ways. The scripture, this passage, he doesn't elaborate what, what David did. But there are things that I can... <clears throat> I'll, I'll share what I think he did. I believe that he remembered that God is who he says he is. That the conviction that God is good, 
is a, a truth that you need to settle in your heart. The truth of God's goodness has to be firmly anchored in your heart. Mariette said, things aren't great, but God is great, despite all of this. There was this, God, you are who you say you are. You are good. And it's in these times that I can question your goodness. And you need to know the word. You need to start from Genesis. You need to understand what happened in the garden. You have to understand the, the fall, the broken world that we live in, the role that sin plays. And then God's redemptive journey through a nation, through a people, and then through a person, Jesus. And now he's still extending his kingdom. And when his, his kingdom fully comes, there will not be the pain and the suffering and the sin that we experience today. I want to ask you a question. Do you know who God is? Do you know his character? Do you know that he is good? Because if you haven't settled that principle in your life and you base God's goodness on your circumstance or your bank account or how wealthy you are, then you will not make it far as a Christian. Cannot say I'm blessed because I have this, this, and that. God is say God is good. Despite the situation and circumstance that I face, He is good. You need to learn how to put your hope in Him, your trust in Him. Psalm 42 verse 5 says this, Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will not put my hope in things of this world. I will put my hope in God. Strengthening ourselves is in the Lord is essential in how to steward our hearts, how to steward the state of your heart. The scripture says, above all else, guard your heart, for out of it flow the issues of life. How do you guard your heart? Through loss, through pain, through disease. How do you make sure that the lies of the enemy are not coming and saying, God isn't good, God doesn't love you, God isn't for you. God doesn't exist. How do you guard your heart? Remembering His promises. Defining ourselves by the Word of God requires that we constantly train our minds to think in agreement with His Word. We're praying this morning, God, your, this is the battlefield. Our mind, our thoughts. The enemy is a liar. Can we expose the lies that he throws at us? Can we stand on his promises? Do you know his promises? Do you spend time in his word? Have you memorized them? Do you meditate on them? Do you chew on them? Do you counteract when the enemy lies at you with truth, with the sword of his word? And then I think he chose to count it all joy. He chose joy. I started off with that verse um, in James that says, count it all joy when you face trials. Because God is in it and He's working with it and He does something in you. God has done something in Johan and Mariette. Their perseverance and the endurance, there is major growth that God has built and laid in their lives. 
1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16 to 18, Paul says, Rejoice always. God, that is a hard verse. To rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. This is the will of God in Jesus Christ for you. Philippians 4, verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. And I will say it again, rejoice. David found himself in Ziklag. And if I could find a picture, I'm sure he looked like that. Stripped of everything in his life. Stripped down to nakedness. Everything he loved. Everything he had. The plans that he thought God had for him about being king and leading Israel. I'm sure in that moment he felt like, God, where is it? How are you going to turn this story around? And if you ever faced a moment in Ziklag, will you know how to encourage yourself in the Lord? Will you know where to turn? The great thing is that, um, I think it's 1 Thessalonians 5, it talks about we are called to encourage one another. We are part of a body because God calls us to encourage each other. We are His hands and feet. But do you also know how to seek Him and find encouragement from Him? Strength from Him? David goes and he asks God for direction. He goes to um, this priest and he, and he asks for the holy vest. And it's like taking on the presence of God. He seeks the presence of God. It symbolized going into His presence and asking Him for direction. God, where to from here? And he felt God say, get your men and go after your wife and your children. And the great rescue happened. That not a single child or wife was lost in that rescue. The men were exhausted. They got to a point in the rescue trip where he lost 200 of his 600 and only 400 went. But they went and um, they destroyed the Amalekites and rescued their loved ones. And here's the amazing part in the story. And this is the song... Waymaker, where, where it, it says, even when I don't feel it, you're working. Because God was working behind the scenes in the story. So David is now running after the Amalekites, defeating them. The Philistines are at war with Israel. And they defeat Israel. And that brings the end of King Saul's reign. And God, while David is in this battle, dealing with this over here, God is opening the, the, the pathway for his destiny, for David's destiny, to be king of Israel. And he does it behind the scenes, doesn't even know what's going on, and gets, gets word that, that um, Saul is dead. And he is now going to be the king. And sometimes, even when we don't feel it, even when we don't know what God is doing in the situation, the circumstance that we face, God is working. And my prayer for people sitting here today is that I'll pray the same prayer that Paul prays in Ephesians 3 verse 16. I pray that from His glorious unlimited resources, He will empower you with inner strength through His Spirit. Romans 8 verse 28, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love Him, and are called according to His purposes. 
God is bigger than your circumstance you face. God is bigger than your trial that you have faced or will face in the year that lies ahead. I want to be someone that knows, as David did, how to encourage myself in the Lord. We're going to start off next year in our life groups doing a, a, a series on, pr- on prayer. How to pray. How to pray when it hurts. How to pray when you don't feel God answers. How to pray when you don't see the breakthrough you're hoping for. How to trust and say, God, I still put my hope and, and, and faith in you. In this moment in Ziklag. I'm going to ask the band to come up. And we're going to end with a song or two. And just as um, Mariette said, sometimes in these seasons that you struggle to even sing. But just being in an atmosphere of praise and worship does something. We had an amazing time of prayer this morning where we just lifted praise and thanksgiving and worship. Because I find when it's in that atmosphere that walls can come down. Breakthroughs can happen. We can see miracles. God can do things when we set our gaze on Him. We enjoy Him. Even though we may not be able to always express it, we can still choose to say, God, You are good. God, you are worthy. Joshua 1 verse 9 says, This is my command. Be strong and courageous. and Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I want to pray for those that are feeling discouraged. I want to pray for those that have experienced a discouraging situation or circumstance. And I want to believe that for us that we'll still face a discouraging situation, that we know how to find courage, that we will not be overcome by discouragement. Let's stand together. I hope you have enjoyed this recording. For more information about New Creation Family Church, please visit our website at www dot new creation dot co dot